Welcome. You are listening to episode number 12 of the Restoring Fertility Naturally podcast. This is your host, Mallory Mayer, and I have a guest interview today with Dr. Michael Jones. So before we get into the interview, I'm going to read you his bio just very quickly. Dr. Michael Jones has been in private practice for 30 years with excellent credentials, including chief of staff, multiple times. He is a certified naprotechnology medical consultant, and his areas of expertise include robotic laser endometriosis surgery, the newest and most effective methods in treating and healing infertility, and comprehensive treatments for PCOS. So let's get into the episode. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you enjoy. there. Welcome to the Restoring Fertility Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Mallory Mayer. If you're dealing with fertility challenges, then you're at the right place. I know what it's like to face infertility and feel alone in this journey, wondering what might be wrong and if motherhood is even possible. Fortunately, there are real solutions to be found in the world of restorative reproductive medicine. Join me for interviews with real people, both professionals who are experts in their field and people just like yourself who have walked this road of infertility. You are not alone and your story matters. Just as a disclaimer, the information presented in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice from your healthcare provider. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, my name is uh, Dr. Michael Jones. I've been uh, practicing OB-GYN since 1991 and uh, only got interested in pro technology about five years ago, or actually about seven years ago, when I decided to stop providing uh artificial birth control and sterilizations and that sort of thing and needed uh, needed a solution for my patients that had problems we used to always fix with the birth control pill. Not that it fixed any of these problems, but it did help ameliorate some of the symptoms of like heavy bleeding or PMS and other things, irregular cycles. So since I didn't want to use the birth control pill for these other things, because some of my patients would be using them for contraception, uh, I uh, looked into NAPRO technology and was very, uh, very relieved to find out that actually I could find out what was causing all these symptoms and to treat them uh, effectively with what was deficient. While doing that, I, I uh, learned about all the, uh, fertility treatments and infertility that uh, can be treated without IVF. And uh, it's been a, quite a blessing for me. Uh, I, I feel that my, my practice and my professional life has much more purpose and meaning than it did before this. Did somebody, like how exactly did you find out about NAPRO? Is it 
somebody told you about it or yes my uh, my daughter was on a closed facebook group with a bunch of other moms and they were all talking about hey i wish we had a napro doctor around here and she lives in the north north texas area and so she said you ought to look into that and so i did and and uh, i was very impressed that's so great i love that <laughs> that she is the one that told you about it well that's great and we're so like so many of your patients including myself are so glad that you became an apro doctor because you've benefited so many people um so just i guess you kind of touched on my next question which is what are the biggest ways that napro differs from conventional OBGYN care so obviously napro does not do birth control or sterilization or any of that so i think that that's a pretty pretty succinct like explanation of the uh, ways it differs but do you have anything else to add on that my wife and i have used natural family planning when we got married and it seemed to work quite well for me for us and uh, and yet uh, when i started in practice i assumed that other people could not do that and so i didn't practice that initially but uh but really the science is very good and the success rate for people trying to avoid pregnancy as well as people trying to achieve pregnancy is, is quite good with the scientific natural family planning methods like the Billings method or uh, symptothermal method or the crate method, which is what I use in my office for the most part. So that's, that's kind of what's different. And by, Putting that out on my website, uh, it seemed to attract a lot of people who want a natural solution to their infertility or their other hormonal problems, and uh, that's been very rewarding. So, okay, so let's talk about NAPRO protocols and procedures for infertility, since most people listening are dealing with infertility. So what are the issues or causes of infertility? that you have seen most in your practice? Well, causes of infertility are quite varied. Uh, probably the most common cause is polycystic ovary syndrome. We treat that in a fairly conventional way uh, that other, others treat that. In other words, we help stimulate ovulation with either Clomid or Letrozole. What those treatments do is they decrease the amount of estrogen that the brain is exposed to, so it allows the brain to do what it normally does and communicate with the pituitary, and then the pituitary communicates with the ovary by secreting follicle-stimulating hormone. And uh, about 70% of women will respond with ovulation using these uh, medications, but really only about 30% of them become pregnant. Although there are lots of women with PCOS that have no problems getting pregnant, but the ones that, that we see are ones that are not usually successful getting pregnant on their own. What we in NAPRO technology have done is we also return to doing a, a wedge resection of the ovaries which tends to reset the communication between the hypothalamus and the pituitary in the ovary. 
what that involves is a laparoscopic robotic procedure where we go in and cut a wedge out of the ovary and then sew the ovary back together in such a way that the edges of the ovary are tucked inside so we reduce the amount of scar tissue that's that can occur with this kind of procedure. Uh, Stein and Leventhal were the first people to describe polycystic ovary syndrome. In fact, it used to be called Stein-Leventhal syndrome. That was the first treatment they had for PCOS, and uh, they had this group of patients that had infrequent periods and excess hair growth and excess weight retention and infertility. When they did a wedge resection on these women, about 76% of them became pregnant, or 67% rather, became pregnant. Wow. And uh, so they were they were a little surprised by the outcome because they really didn't know if this would help or not, but it did. And then uh, a few years later, Clomid came along, and then a few years after that, or several years after that, Letrozole came along. And so most people in the OBGYN world felt that, you know, well, if we, if we can stimulate ovulation without doing something invasive, then that would be a better solution. And if they do get pregnant, that is a better solution. But in fact, the wedge resection is the most, is the most successful treatment we have for infertile women with PCOS. And, and in women who are, let's say, 35 and under, probably about uh, 80% will achieve pregnancy with just a wedge resection. Wow, so, that's amazing. <laughs> and it tends to be uh, sort of a permanent solution. So uh, usually they continue to have regular periods after that. One of my favorite stories is a patient of mine who had had PCOS and she did not respond to Clomid and her infertility doctor gave her the more powerful ovulation drugs, which we call um, menotropins, like L like purified LH and FSH. And PCOS patients are a little extra sensitive to these medicines. And so she developed a complication of that medication called uh, ovarian hyperstimulation and that's where the ovaries get big and fat and painful and she also got pregnant with uh, triplets uh, using that medication she went into preterm labor at 24 weeks 24 weeks and only one of the triplets survived and then i saw her uh, a few years after that and i said well you need a wage resection and so because she was not sensitive to Clomid or Electrozole. So we did a wedge resection. She got pregnant before her first period came uh, and miscarried that one. But then a few months later, she got pregnant again and that pregnancy went to term. And then she had another child uh, about 18 months after that. And so just with the wedge resection, uh, she avoided all those other kinds of complications and had normal pregnancies. That's incredible. I love that. <laughs> yeah, PCOS I know can be very frustrating. I I mean, I don't have it, but I I know a lot of people who do and it's yeah, it just seems like a very frustrating thing if you don't have the right solution. So, 
other, other kinds of infertility issues we deal with are people who have ovulation problems whereby they maybe don't make a mature follicle or they make a mature follicle that does not rupture and release the egg. And, and uh, those, they're fairly simple hormone treatments we do for that. And some people uh, ovulate normally, but they, the follicle after ovulation doesn't produce enough progesterone or estradiol in the luteal phase. And so your uh, endometrial lining is not prepared for implantation. And so that's another thing really easy to treat with simple targeted hormone therapy. Probably 70 to 75% of women who have infertility have endometriosis, even if they don't have any pain. And so part of our workup involves uh, testing the fallopian tubes to make sure they're open and functioning normally, looking inside the uterus to see if there's any chronic inflammation, which, which interferes with implantation and then looking inside the abdomen to see if there's endometriosis. And if there is, we remove it. The endometriosis uh, causes uh, infl inflammation in the pelvis and inflammatory uh, chemicals made by the inflammation are toxic to sperm and toxic to eggs to some degree and even toxic to embryos to some degree. So uh, removing the endometriosis uh, will restore fertility in most women who have endometriosis. We rarely see endometriosis actually blocking the fallopian tubes themselves, but it's really the inflammatory condition in the pelvis that uh, causes the infertility. And so uh, removing an endometriosis is, you know, curative for most women that have infertility and endometriosis. I think I think that's a big difference too with NAPRO doctors is that they will go and, you know, investigate like that, whereas other people might say, no, you don't have it because you don't have pain or you don't have these markers. Um, so I think that hopefully can give a lot of people, a lot of people hope that um, NAPRO will really do the detective work, so. Um, and then anecdotally, like with your patients, what, what have you seen to be the success rate with becoming pregnant, like after laparoscopy or you said with ovarian wedge resection, it's like about 80% of women under 35 will get pregnant. But what, 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 like with laparoscopy for endo, um, what have you I, I seen? It's very similar. Mm. We, we have a success rate somewhere in the 70% for infertile people who are treated with the various NAPRO technologies, including okay. endometriosis removal and uh, hormonal treatments for those that have hormonal defects. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> it's so great. Um, okay, so my next question, you, you did share one story, but I wondered if there were anything else, any other amazing or inspiring success stories that you've of couples achieving pregnancy after NAPRO treatment? Uh, well, I'd say most of them do achieve pregnancy after mm -hmm. NAPRO treatment. Uh, one, I had, uh, one patient I had re recently who had uh, premature ovarian 
ovarian failure. In other words, uh, her ovaries were not responding to the FSH produced by her pituitary, so she, she was not making follicles, and the follicle-stimulating hormone rose to menopausal levels, which is what happens when you don't make follicles. And uh, so she was being treated at, uh, at one of the medical schools in Dallas for uh, premature ovarian failure and giving, giving replacement hormone therapy. And uh, I had done some functional medicine training and found that you can reverse uh, autoimmune disease, which is really what she had. She had an elevated anti-nuclear antibody, which is an, a marker for autoimmune disease. And we sent her to a uh, functional medicine uh, dietitian, and we put her on a paleo diet, paleo autoimmune diet. And uh, within about four months of being on the diet, she actually became pregnant. And uh, I just recently delivered, delivered her child when prior to that, she had really no hope of getting pregnant. Not really a NAPRO treatment, but it was, a, uh, it was another natural type treatment for a cause of infertility. I've had patients that have had uh, six and seven miscarriages in a row. And we, uh, a couple of them had endometriosis that uh, was evidently a contributing factor. And then uh, we uh, put them on a NAPRO protocol, which included uh, uh, progesterone therapy and HCG therapy, that the HCG therapy was for the first trimester. And I had two, two such patients. One had six miscarriages in a row and no children. One had seven miscarriages in a row and no children. And both of them conceived with the next pregnancy and had, a, I mean, had a uh, full-term delivery of a healthy child. So that was a May pro protocol, something I'd never yeah. heard of through conventional OB-GYN uh, learning. I just, I love hearing these stories of, of success. And, you know, when I was going through infertility, those things definitely helped me mentally. So, um, so you, you, um, mentioned the miscarriages. So let's touch on that briefly um, because that is another area that my audience struggles with is miscarriage. Um, what can NAPRO offer with regards to preventing future miscarriages? Well, some miscarriages are due to progesterone in the luteal phase. And that's something we can diagnose by doing a hormone profile and there are several different types of luteal uh, uh, abnormalities. Uh, one of them is called a, a type 1 luteal defect. And that's where after ovulation, there's their, uh, their period comes about eight days or less after ovulation. And that's what we call a short luteal phase. And those women almost always miscarry, and it's very easy to treat. We just supplement them with progesterone and estradiol, usually by giving them HCG injections in the luteal phase. So they start by uh, learning about Creighton uh, natural family planning so they can start charting their cycles and discover 
whether or not they have a short luteal phase. And then we do the hormone test and, and can verify that. And then, then we know that once they identify their peak day or the normal day of ovulation, they start taking um, either HCG injections or progesterone uh, suppositories and uh, sometimes uh, estrogen tablets to uh, replace the hormones that they're lacking. And they can conceive and maintain a pregnancy. And then other pregnancies, they just, uh, they may have a type, what we call a type two luteal defect, which is just very low progesterone in the luteal phase. So we could supplement that with progesterone and prevent miscarriages. So there's that. Some women have a uh, autoimmune antibody problem and that's what causes recurrent miscarriages. And that's something standard OBGYNs test for and we test for those as well. But rarely someone might have a genetic defect caused a balanced uh, chromosome translocation. In other words, the, the mom or the dad has all the normal chromosome material they need for healthy living, but some of their some of the sperm or some of the eggs will be deficient or have too little of one chromosome and uh, or too much of another chromosome and those pretty much always end in miscarriage and identifying that can at least give them some peace of mind that that uh, if they keep trying they will probably be successful in having a, a, a normal child but uh, but for the ones with the luteal phase defect, if you can find that and treat that, then you can you can uh, they can achieve a pregnancy. Or if they have an autoimmune disease that's causing uh, thrombosis in an early embryo, we can treat them with uh, heparin during the pregnancy and kind of stop the effect of that autoimmune disease, and they can they can achieve a normal pregnancy through that. So, you know, women that have a lot of miscarriages, uh, oftentimes, or I would say most of the time, we can find a cause for that. And, and in some cases, it's even endometriosis. So uh, I have a patient that I'm, that's currently pregnant with her second child who had uh, four miscarriages in a row. And uh, we scoped her and found endometriosis and removed it. And then uh, the next pregnancy, she carried it to term, and then she got pregnant again, and uh, and is now you know two thirds of the way through this pregnancy. So it's it appears that uh, the endometriosis was contributing to her uh, in her recurrent miscarriage. Then we find that in some in women who have no other cause for recurrent miscarriage and you scope them and find endometriosis and remove it, and it usually relieves that uh, recurrent miscarriage problem. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize that endometriosis could be a cause for miscarriage. That's really interesting. Yeah. Aren't you glad we don't have endometriosis anymore? Right. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's it's such a blessing to to just be part of the NAPRO family and and have that peace of mind that we have it taken care of. So, um, well, we are 
kind of getting to the end of my questions, but one of my, my, one of my last questions is what has been the most rewarding aspect for you with being a NAPRO doctor? A couple of things. One, finding, finding all these patients that don't see fertility as a consumer good. You know, a lot of patients with infertility go to the regular infertility doctors and usually they get offered IVF fairly early on in their investigation and and some people just you know they I, I want what I want and I want it now and so they go in for IVF and sometimes it's successful sometimes it's not but finding all these patients that really want to find out what's wrong with their fertility and being able to help them has been just just uh, just the most rewarding part of my whole OBGYN career. So the last five years, I would say, have been the most uh, rewarding part of my career. And it's just uh, so gratifying to find all these patients to call and say, hey, I got a positive pregnancy test. You know, after we've, after we've done some treatments for them. It's just given my life and my professional career a lot more uh, meaning for me. And uh, I'm just uh, thankful that uh, God sent me in this direction. There's a lot of, a lot of couples out there who are thankful for that as well. So I, yeah, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing your expertise here and just everything you've done for, for your patients. It's, truly a blessing so we just we just need more napro doctors yes we do (laughs) yes because i i i know that you're retiring soon and um so there's that's a void that nobody can fill all right well uh, do you have any closing thoughts anything that i missed or wanted to talk about all right well this was so great i i love talking with you and and just hearing from the they're from the doctor's perspective on how things work. So thank you so much, Dr. Jones. And everyone, thank you for listening. And we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Restoring Fertility Naturally podcast. I hope you enjoyed our time together and learned something new for your fertility toolbox. If you did enjoy this episode, please consider leaving stars and a review on your podcast app. It only takes a minute and will help get this information to more people seeking help for infertility. Thanks for your support. And I'll talk with you in the next episode.